Welcome to Harrison Church. We're glad that you've joined us today. During this season of Advent, we encourage you to think about how you are preparing your life and heart for Christ. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Elizabeth. So back to this. We are in the season of Advent. We're going to get get to Christmas eventually after a few weeks of Advent, but this is a time of preparation, as the uh, video you saw just said, a time of expectation and waiting. And I want to share with you just a couple of the ways that I have seen folks around Harrison Church prepare and get ready. All you have to do is look around this sanctuary, this space. Is it not beautiful? Right? I give thanks. Caroline and Laurel and the team... Um, have spent, you know, some elves get paid, some don't, but, uh, and now, yeah, let there be light, right? Anyway, very grateful for that and, and the ways that they have helped prepare us for worship during Advent and then into Christmas. The party last night with the kids was fabulous, you know, it was just fun to be here with families. I told Kelly I thought she might have tried to trick me into wearing pajamas as a new kid, but... Uh, everybody showed up in pajamas, so that was great. That was great. And then Sunday school parties and all. But it's, it's just fun to get into this festive spirit and to start experiencing God in Advent as we prepare for the coming of Christ. So I am going to um, begin with this text from Luke, or continue with this text in Luke, verse 20, uh, chapter 21, beginning with the 25th verse. There will be, in, there will be signs in the sun the moon and the stars and all the earth in distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world where the powers of heaven will be shaken. They will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things take place, stand up. Raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and of all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Again, gracious God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the way that it lights our path to the manger. We give you thanks for this holy season of Advent, for the ways that your people have called, been called upon to be even a thousand points of light, ready to offer your Son yet again to this world. We give you thanks in all things, and it's in the name of the Christ that we pray. Amen. So I'm really excited because now is the time that we take it back. Now is the time that we get to reclaim all that is going on, right? Now is our time to assert the true meaning of this season. To understand, to define, to refocus, if you will, all of the celebrations that are taking place around us. 
Now, I have to tell you, this may sound fairly adversarial. This may sound fairly protective, but it's not. I, I have to tell you that I've kept my mouth shut for months. As I watched everybody else get ready for, ad, well, for Christmas, I've kept my mouth shut for months. Now, I didn't see this for myself, but I was told that there were actually Christmas decorations being sold in July. Can you believe it? And I did see this. I saw Christmas decorations going up before Halloween. Can you believe that? The scandal of it all, and I've kept my mouth shut. I may have rolled my eyes a few times and sighed deeply, but I've not protested, not until now, because now it's our time. Now we get to proclaim exactly what all the fuss is about, what all the doings, what all the goings, what all of this is about. Now, like I said, this may sound fairly adversarial, fairly protectionist, and that's not what I mean at all. I know sometimes Christians get a little up in arms about the world and its trappings, the culture and how it seeks to invade a sacred holiday. I I know that. And we make efforts here and there. We have slogans, if you will. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season, right? On mugs or little placards and that sort of thing. Or we, we talk about putting Christ back into Christmas, Right? We want Christ in Christmas. And this is so much more, believe me, than just an Xmas controversy. That X, if you will, is the Greek letter for Christ. It's not bad in and of itself, unless we don't name the name of Christ. We get all up in arms sometimes about how these things are going, and we wonder when it is, how it is that we get to take it back. One of my favorite things that I've seen a church do is the whole slogan of, it's not your birthday. I love that one. It's not your birthday. Surprise. Right? So what does it mean For you and I, as the people of God, as those who follow Christ, as those who have taken on his name for ourselves, what does it mean for us to engage this grand world around us in God's name and for the sake of Christ's kingdom? You know, if you think about it, Mary was visited by an angel, but she didn't have the baby the next day, right? Took some time, as many of you know, took some time, nine months, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit shorter, for her to actually bring Jesus into this world. And and it's the same with us. Each one of us is called upon to bear Christ in our own way. And so we think about this. It's not just a message that we jump to to Christmas Day. It's not just the birth of the baby, but it's all the preparations between now and then. It's the symbolism of the season. It's this way that we convey a different meaning to what is going on this season. And we use this word Advent as a way to describe that preparation, as a way to describe that expectation, that anticipation. Four weeks leading up to Christmas Day. So all the cards, all the baking, all all the glitzy lights and the glitzy catalogs, all those little reminders you now get in your email telling you that you have X number of days to get your purchases back to you, mailed to you before Christmas, all of that can be what it is and, and just let it go. Because we are called upon to celebrate, to claim, to repurpose, 
to refocus what is going on now. And as I said, Christmas, Advent is a Christian holiday, but it's not ours to protect. Jesus doesn't need our protection. Jesus needs our witness. Jesus needs us to embody what it means for light to come into this world. Jesus doesn't need our protection. He needs our witness. He needs our proclamation in word and in deed. He needs us to bear witness in such a way that the world can't help but know that this season is about far more than decorations in a store. Christ doesn't need our protection. He needs our witness. And so we've got groups in the church participating in an Advent study, getting ready for the coming of Christ. We have decorations. We have people bringing gifts to the angel tree, bringing gifts to the giving tree now. All these opportunities to state very clearly, not just with our words, but with our actions, that this season is not about receiving and getting. It's about giving and sharing and bearing Christ to the world around us a world that is in such need of light and life. You and I need to refocus, no doubt. We're not exempt. But we refocus so that we can bear witness to the meaning of the season. One of the ways we do that is to kind of mix things up a little bit. Advent is not just about the anticipation of the Christ child on Christmas Day, Advent is also about waiting for the return of Christ. We are in that between time. We've had 2,000 years of it. It's gone on for a while. But we are still in that between time of Christ coming to the world, God with us, Emmanuel, the incarnation, and Jesus coming back in triumph. And as we witness to this distinctness of who we are, this this, um, people of God set apart for a countercultural presence, We're going to start with the text that I just read, a text that describes the return of Christ. And again, this is one of the ways we engage the world more distinctly this time of year. I think these these words can be fairly ominous. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint in fear and foreboding of what is coming into the world. That all sounds real threatening, doesn't it? And people have used these words of Jesus for millennia, often embraced in such a way that would set us apart for the good and sometimes for the not so good. Indeed, we are set apart, no doubt about that, not to protect, not to exclude, but to bear witness. And so we have these words, these ominous words, and folks have used them again for millennia to to stir folks up. Fear is a great motivator, is it not? Unfortunately, we still see far too much of that today. Fear as a motivator. And these words, these signs of the times, the earth being shaken, the confusion of nations. I mean, we got it, right? Still taking place. Remember that series years ago, Left Behind? Yeah. That kind of fear sells. But it's not always accurate. 
It's not the end of the story. So, so while we may understand these words and we may see these signs all around us, I mean, we've got hurricanes in the Carolinas, in Florida. We've got fires in California, even an earthquake in Alaska. We see these signs of turmoil and distress, chaos and despair in our world. We see them. I, I know it. We see nations confused, no doubt, we experience that. Signs, if you will, that many will point to as the end of time. But we see these signs. Some of them, you know, insurance calls them acts of God. We also see far too many acts of man that are confusing and bringing distress to this, nation, to this world. Far too many signs of chaos and destruction, public shootings. Refugees on many borders. Again, we see nations confused. We do climate damage by our own actions. We have all of this. And yet I don't think that Jesus really wants us to get hung up in the chaos and the confusion and the distress. Even if and when the Christian community has embraced these words for a time and tried to use them in ways that have not always been so helpful, I don't think Jesus wants us to get caught up in this at all. For we know in other places in Scripture we are told that nobody can predict what is coming. Nobody, no sign really can tell us accurately when it is Christ shall return. The point of the matter is, and I think the point of the matter is in this text, is that we be prepared for Christ's return. We get ready and again offer that distinct witness to the world around us. Reclaim things such as this season, not to protect them, but to bear witness to the presence of Christ already in our midst. So we have these signs, and again, they, they may be off-putting or frightening or scary, but that's not the end of this text. A lot of folks like to stop with the warning, because as I said, fear sells, or at least gets people's attention. And so far too often people stop right there, but, but there's so much more here. And we do our, ourselves, we do Christ, we do this world a disfavor if we only concentrate on the chaos and the darkness and the turmoil, whether we've invited it ourselves or it's been caused by acts of nature. We can't stop there because the world is counting on us for the alternative witness. Christ is counting on us for an alternative witness. So we have all these things. All the powers of the heaven and the earth will be shaken. All these things taking place. And then this is what we hear, and I love it. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Raise your heads, people of God, because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up. Not literally. Stand up. Raise your heads. Redemption is drawing near. This darkness, this despair, this roaring of the sea and the clashing of waves, these signs on heaven and earth, none of that has the last word. Which is why this is good news. It is why we can take back the reason for the season in love and in hope and in testimony and in witness to the goodness of Christ's presence 
and of Christ coming again. Don't hold your heads down. Don't shake your head in despair. Don't end there. Stand up. Lift your heads up. Redemption is at hand. And that's, frankly, great news. And then Jesus tells the parable of the fig tree, which, again, is about life. He says the fig tree comes in the spring, and all of a sudden, you see blooming. It's not a dead tree. When you stand up and you understand your redemption is at hand, you understand that the tree in the spring blooms and blossoms. And that, too, again, is the promise of new life. It is what we anticipate. It is what we expect. It is what we bear witness to in the world around us. Summer is at hand. Harvest is coming. There is new life, always following whatever turmoil there is. Now, this can be understood literally, I'm sure. But I know that in this text is that offering of hope, that willingness to claim the last word, that understanding that the people of God have, that hope will not give way to despair. And that light will not give way to darkness. It doesn't end there, and that's our testimony. That's our witness. That's what we have with all these lights surrounding us. We understand ourselves really to be the number one light bearer in this world until Christ comes in final victory. He's given us the task, called on us to offer an alternative, called on us to be different, to be countercultural. And if we don't do it, who will? If we don't offer light and hope in a world that is full of chaos and despair and darkness, who will? And so as we prepare for Christmas Day, we are called upon to remember our task as the people of God to bear light into this world. Many of you know that uh, my husband and I got married in May many years ago, and in June we moved to Alaska. And when we got there, it was about August, we took a month or so to get up there and camped out on the way, and as we headed north, you know what happens, right? 15 hours of daylight. 18 hours of daylight, 20 hours of daylight. I mean, the light literally increases as you go north in the summertime. And then it begins to decrease. Every day, the news, it was interesting, the news in Anchorage would announce the fact that we're losing 10 minutes of light today. The next day, we've we've lost 12 more minutes of light. And you can see the darkness coming into the world And so this metaphor of light and darkness really makes sense when you live in a world where there is 20 hours of darkness about this time of year. Four hours of a a dusky light just cresting the trees and then disappearing again. And then darkness seems to prevail. Now, I don't want to burst any bubbles, but just a brief history lesson. You know that Christmas Day is not set to December 25th in the Bible, right? You know that? Yeah, that's not in the Bible. We don't know when Jesus was born, literally. We don't know when he came into this world. We don't know when the manger happened and the angels singing Gloria. We don't know the exact date of that. And in fact, for 300 years, there is no mention of Christmas Day in any Christian writing. 
First of all, Christianity was illegal for 325 years, so they couldn't write anything down. But after that, the church began to, to claim practices to share the story of Christ with others. And so, and many say, and again, I don't mean to burst any bubbles, but that Christmas was set based on the celebration of a pagan god. And that the early Christians used this, this determination of the date, as a way to reach out to the world, as a way to offer an alternative to paganism, really, if you will, offer alternative to the chaos, to the darkness, as we see it today, to offer a time set apart to recognize the coming of Christ. And I think it is absolutely appropriate that it comes in the middle of winter. Absolutely appropriate that we have Christmas in the mid of winter because for whatever reason, we get what darkness is this time of year. You don't have to be in Anchorage, Alaska to know that it's darker, right? Darkness is all around, literally, figuratively. And Christmas comes and Christ shows up and the people of God offer an alternative witness and there are more than a thousand points of light shining in this world. That's who we are. That's what we seek to fulfill. That's who we seek to be as we celebrate and anticipate the birth of Christ differently from others. So the question remains, how is it you will bear witness? How is it you will offer light? How is it that you will take the message of all the trappings and turn it into a message of Christ this year? What light will you offer What Christ will you bear? What are you going to do to show the world Christ present in us with a glorious anticipation of when he'll come again? For that day, redemption is near, and we look up and we celebrate. Thanks for listening to this week's message. As always, you can find out the latest happenings at Harrison on Facebook or on our website at harrisonchurch.org.